Welcome to Loinlander, the most unofficial Outlander podcast on the internet or anywhere. I'm your host, Megan. And for one last week, here I am, your host, Joe. Um, we're here today to talk about episode 413, Man of Worth. I don't know why I said 13. 413, Man of Worth. Man of Worth. Um, otherwise known as the season finale. Otherwise known as the season finale, which... Sadlander. It is. It is Sadlander, but an excellent way to go out. Yeah. An excellent, excellent way to go out. So this episode was written by Tony Graffia. Yes. So they got the hard hitter to finish right. to finish it up. Go ahead. Well, which is interesting because um, usually the finale of most series are written by the showrunner, which technically is Matthew B. Roberts, who, uh, as we talked about last week, has fled Twitter. So <laughs> I just I find it interesting that his name wasn't on these credits. But well, uh, she is the most experienced writer, right? Besides him. Yeah, no, I just I just found it interesting. Yeah, and it was directed by someone named Stephen Wolfenden. <laughs> And he's a British television director, and so he was the second unit director for Harry Potter films, mm-hmm. and then also he directed an episode of Doctor Who. Love Doctor Who over I here. You do. Big Who fan. Anyways, I thought that that was interesting, because when I saw who directed it, I thought, well, this is someone who's never directed Outlander before, but we both commented on the directing of this episode. Yeah. And really enjoyed it. Yeah, it, it had a bit of a different flavor. Yeah, it did. So, In a good way. let's begin. First of all, I'm just so happy to be doing a recap of an episode of Outlander that I loved because yeah. I deserve this. <laughs> you do. You've had a string of episodes that you have, let's just say, less than loved this season. I had some concerns. Yeah. I did have some concerns for sure. You were happy about this one for sure. I, yes. This one was wonderful. And it started out great too because, in fact, I actually really enjoyed the recap this week. The Did music you? in the backgrounds and it showed all the characters and I skipped it. Well, it was it was great. Was it? Okay. Um and then the opening credits, which we noticed, and I don't know if anyone else has, but there is a scene in the opening credits that yeah, is a shot. as far a shot, yeah, that as far as we can think of was never shown and i i believe it's actually fiona's hand yeah touching so the stones after roger goes through it's but a that, female hand going yeah. up to touch the stones and does, does the hand actually touch the stones so we just assumed I'll that screen, it, i took a screen grab and i'll put it on loinlander podcast group on facebook yeah and so you can let us know if you've seen it yeah we just assumed that was uh you know when we first watched the the series and then we'd forgotten about it we just assumed that was brianna but uh, as it turns out, you know, maybe that was a, a shot that they, they just never used, or maybe it's someone else. Who do you think it is? Want to go? I think it's Fiona. Yes, you do. Who do you think, loin listener? Who do you think it is? <laughs> Write us. Let us know. Megan will post a picture. So the title shot is Ottertooth, and he's sitting on a bench with the rock necklace in right. the 1960s, it looks like. We don't know he's Ottertooth at the time. He just looks like some annoyed dude because But he's there's... wearing the necklace. No, yeah, yeah, we, but we didn't really, I don't know, I didn't know if it was an ancestor or a time traveler. Okay. Yes, but we, we see that there's two kids playing cowboys, and classic mm. cowboys and Indians, I'm doing in, in air quotes. Yeah. And uh, he seems annoyed by it, as I imagine he would be, and that really plays into the story of this episode. It really does. And then we get a shot of Roger, just to check in on how he's doing in the idiot hut. Yeah. And he's praying. So he, and this is very shortly after the priest, you know, came to his demise. Right. 
Um, we wouldn't know because there's no time stamp. No time stamp. But we... Uh, it's, I, I believe it's like the next day. It's right. very it's very close. Um, so Roger is praying. And then who do we see sneaking up onto the village with his telescope? Jay Frey. Jay Frey. And you called him that. You were like, oh, Jay Frey. And I said, why does why doesn't everyone call Jamie Fraser Jay Frey? I feel like I've been calling him Jay Frey all season. You have you never called him Jay Frey before because if you had, I would have said that's an amazing name for him. I think I have been in my head. Let's start this right. right now. So Jay Frey, he's got his telescope out. Yes, and he becomes aware that they know he's there. Yeah. So he goes back to Claren Ian and he says, It's we need to go. <laughs> Jigs up. They know we're here. Yeah. yeah. So let's just go. So they approach the village, they say all the right things. We come in peace. Ian is speaking their language. Things to trade. Yeah. Pots and whiskey. What did you think of this? Did you like this? I felt like anticipation. The, I'll I'll just say blanket statement that basically everything that happened with um in the Mohawk village, I loved it all. Yeah, it was really good. I really liked it all. It was uh, it was really interesting. It was a uh, it was a well told story. It was yeah, it was it was really good. I, I don't have one. Sorry, not true. I do have one bad thing to say about this sequence, but we'll get to it later. Okay. Um. So and young Ian, he he's <laughs> so adorable, and he makes eye contact with Braden Clark, the actor. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know who. Right? what his um, character name is, but, and he gets excited. The red-coated Mohawk warrior. Yeah, and he says, do you remember me? Right. Right? And... Because uh, he knows he speaks English, too. Yes, exactly. Tom Jackson actually gets some... It's a big Tom Jackson episode. Thank they, goodness, because we were, we were concerned last time, right? Yeah. He approaches them, and he gets some lines, thank goodness, and he says... Um, yeah, everything's well and good. He's so powerful, hey? Yeah. He's so powerful. He says, you want him badly. Yeah. You want him very badly. He must be like, important to you. Yeah, and it looks like they're going to make a deal, and then Claire takes off her scarf and all hell goes... Or everyone goes hell. everyone all freaks loose. out. Jamie's right. like, he was, she was just showing the boy her scarf. It's like, no, Jay Frey. Yeah. That's not... Well, look who's on Jay Frey now. I know. Uh, I'm going to use it all the time. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, so they freak out because they've she's got that necklace, which at the time we have no idea what it is. Right. Meanwhile... They kick her out. They kick him out. Yeah, they say you have to leave. Right. Meanwhile, uh, Myrta is having a uh, meal Myrta. with Jocasta at River Run. Yeah. And so. this is another great scene. We had a great scene followed by another great no, scene. No, I, I also like the Murty Jocasta stuff. So, yeah, he's come to, quote, check on Brianna. Which he has. Right. And he's eating, you said, two fork in it. Yeah, he was two fork in it. Yeah. And, and, and he's and, like, oh, this meal is good. And Jocasta says, yes, I imagine that it's much better than the food you got in jail before it exploded. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Jocasta's not happy with his regulator ways. No. So they have a they have a falling out. Well, they do because she tells him of Brianna's engagement to Lord John. Right. The only person on earth who doesn't adore and love Lord John Myrta. is Myrta. He's like, she can't marry a red coat. He did imprison him for years and make him eat rats. So, I mean, he's got a pretty good reason. He also ensured his survival by sending a doctor. No, it's true. That was a, if it wasn't for Lord John, Murta would be dead. Yeah, silver lining to an otherwise dark, rat-eating cloud, but yes. Yes. So, and she, I love it, she just totally cuts him off. She stands up as soon as he starts talking, and she says, I didn't recall asking your opinion, Ulysses. And Ulysses is like, yep, see you later, bitch. And yeah, then, yeah, Louis. 
<laughs> Ulysses has no time for Murtaugh. No. But he knows what's about to happen, though. I know. Ulysses I feel like knows. maybe he's jealous. Maybe, yeah. And they walk away, and Murtaugh goes to take a bite, and he can't even eat. He's yep. so angry. He's ruined his meal. Is a little bit of foreshadowing, because Jocasta has gotten under his skin. Whoa, I like right? where you go. Yeah, she's going to get under his shirt. Like, really, how many times has Murta ever seen pissed off? Like in flustered, and yeah, and he's no, just like I can't even. The real king of men. I can't use either of these forks right. to eat right yeah, now. I know. Not lefty or right. <laughs> yeah, he threw it down, and he was really upset. Yeah, so Jamie and Young Ian and Claire start setting up camp. Yeah, and Jamie is like, "Well, we'll just go in and rescue him." And Claire's like, "You don't know what you're talking about." And he's like, "I I remember rescuing you from Fort William." Right. Which like that was in Scotland, dumbass. Which you knew very well, and yeah, you had like, like ninety-eight the, friends. Yes, and, yeah, yes. But I do like the fact that they make reference to things that happened in the past because yeah. you would, as an old married couple, mm-hmm. you would, and especially reminding the other, it's like, well, I've done this before. Remember right. that time that I was very successful? Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, and then they, Jamie suddenly freezes, and and looks at the two of them and says, "Don't move." Yeah, and they don't. But they're attacked. Right. But I just want to say, and Jamie and this guy do like a somersault together. Jamie grabs an axe and puts it up against his neck like yeah. Sam Hewen was. No, he's, he's, he, this was a very physical episode for Sam Hewen, which he hasn't really had this season to the best of my knowledge. Well, except for when he fought Man Bear. Right. Yeah. But he, I just want to say that Jamie in this episode is exactly like Jamie in the book. This was the best Jamie episode all season. This is how Jamie always is. Like that scene where he just turns and says, don't move, but then everything happens because they always talk about how he has cat-like reflexes and he's very aware and he can sneak up on people without them knowing. And um, so I wonder if anyone else felt that, but I, I just loved it. And even when they approached and they said you know that woman says give us the stone and he's like absolutely not and she's like and we could just come back and take it which is so creepy she's like well we can come back another time because she's like we will right. sneak up on you yeah when you are not expecting next it. time we'll have more people yeah yeah uh but he very wisely is like well one of you is not getting out of here alive because yeah. as you can see i do have an axe right to his neck yeah um but she sits down well claire claire makes peace, claire yeah. makes peace. she says why is this so important to you she sits down she tells him the story of otter tooth and you referred to him once you realized what he had done. Right. He'd gone back in the past for a cause, and you referred to him as Mohawk Galus. Yeah, it's basically what he was, because that's because Galus was going back to try and uh, help them Change. win Claudin, and he basically went back to try and be like, guys, y'all gonna get fucked. Like, kill the white man. Yeah. But as we have learned time and time again, you cannot... Can't change history. You can't change history. Which does make me feel a little bit concerned about Jamie and Claire dying in that fire. Right. Well, you can change history, or you can't change history, but you can fake a newspaper article, which right now is the only, uh, I mean, maybe people know what happens, but right now that's the only quote-unquote proof. Like, they knew Culloden happened because a lot of Scotsmen died, and everything changed in uh, the Northern United Kingdom. You know, uh, we know that Ottertooth was right because... All the Aboriginal folk got screwed over hard and still are today. But the only proof or the only real, you know, quote unquote proof that we have that Jamie and Claire died is some rando poorly printed newspaper article. So who knows what's, what could happen there. It's kind of open ended. What I Here's what I want to know. That's so smart. That's such a good way to look at it. Maybe wow. it's just a 
Maybe it's just an escape plan or something. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, maybe they, maybe in order to get out of something, they have to fake their, fake deaths. their deaths. And it's one of those things where, I mean, it's 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 very paradoxical. And I feel like this show will never actually get into the science of it. But it's one of those things where it's sort of like, you know, did, did Galus come back to uh, help them win Culloden or... If Galus hadn't come back, would they have won Culloden? Yeah. You know, did they? Yeah. Oh no, seriously! Like it's yeah. one of those things where, yeah. like, did they lose Culloden because, because she Galus went back in time? You know, and it's this circular and thing pissed, uh, and pissed Dougal off so much right. that he exactly. got a little fanatic, and then they, yeah, exactly. So it's one of those things where you know, it's it's it, this is just how the time always was supposed to go. Now, what I'd like to know about Ottertooth, and I don't know if it ever, I, I just assume we'll never hear about him ever again. Maybe we will, but. Um, I'd like to know how he came back because Galus, she sort of researched it and, you know, knew the legend and that sort of thing where, you know, these, the Mohawk, they didn't, they only knew that he said he was from a different time. So did he just stumble across the stones or did he know? Like, I mean, I don't know if we're going to get more detail in the um, TV series, but I can tell you in the book... There's a lot of focus on this. And it oh, wasn't really? just okay. him. He also had a bunch of students come with him. Oh, okay. But it didn't end well for any of them. Right. Like, they had this big plan. I think, like, maybe one of them survived or something. But, I mean... It's interesting. It's more interesting than anything else in this show. That he tried to change. No, the whole thing. Yeah, it's really interesting. And so you like the flashback of the story of how they banished him, but he kept oh, babbling. And then I, they I loved it him all. And he kept... Yeah. Okay. And he kind of went like almost a little bit crazy. It seemed like. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if I, I, I don't, I don't want to complain because I did love oh. this episode so much. But if I were to say something that sounded like a complaint, it might be that when Claire explains about how she, about how she found the stone, we get a flashback to her finding the her stone. finding the stone and Ottertooth yeah. approaching her. And I feel that Outlander fans don't need flashbacks. We know. We remember. It was this season. It was just, it was the second episode of the season. We adore the show. We memorize it. We love it. We talk about it. Like, we don't need a flashback because it was this season and we know. I mean, it was pretty brief, but yeah, I I guess you're right. They don't really, they don't really flash back ever. But I guess this was something that was pretty, for the show, fairly random. So maybe, you know, for the Beefcake Club that were just like (laughs) waiting for the next disserting. Right. The, well, they would have been disappointed. Yeah, they, they've been disappointed for about 13 episodes, so yeah. Um, well, interesting, though. Oh, it is. And slightly random, but just speaking of Jamie being shirtless, mm-hmm. I read an interview with Katrina Balf about the finale, where, and it was, I think, with Elle magazine, and they said, you know, some people feel like you and Sam Hewen don't have as many sex scenes as you used to. Like, you don't have sex as much. Um, why is that? And she said, well, if you count the times that we have sex scenes in season one, it's only three or four. But the show got famous for those scenes. Right. Because we had the wedding episode, which is basically them having sex the whole time. But she said, it's not that it... And she's like, plus, there's so much more story to tell. Right. But she's still... But I feel like in season one and two, like, Jamie taking his shirt off is a drinking game. Like, he's like... He takes his shirt off at least once an episode. He I does. May, it's I'm quite a bit. Pretty, may, maybe not once an episode, 
but I feel like if you average his out, because some he takes his shirt off like three times in an episode. Yeah. So like, well, no, I'm serious. <laughs> no, like, but it's true. Like, it's, in, and when... I think he's only had his shirt off once this whole season, and that was stupidly in the forest. And we didn't see his back. Yeah. I don't think that they've at one point had to do his. No, they haven't scars. done makeup all year. Yeah. Which I don't blame them. Really, we know they're there, right? Right. As the character. Anyways. So then we have a scene between Murdy and Brianna mm-hmm. where he's like, what were you doing talking to Stephen Bonnet? And she says, I was forgiving. I was forgiving him. And he said, did it help? And everyone, like, big news. I didn't think she delivered this line badly. I don't. I when she said some and then she paused and said enough. Hmm. I was like, I. For you, so. I believe what she said just there. I don't remember you complaining about her all episode. I didn't. And in fact... You actually laid out some compliments. Like, look out, world. It's there coming. was some... Yeah, prepare yourselves. So, uh, Claire, Jamie, Young Ian, and Rolo, and um, their new friend, they're, who they told the story about Ottertooth, they all go back to retrieve Roger. Yeah, so they've, they've convinced them to trade the stone for Roger. Yes. Somehow now they're buddies and... Um, which makes no sense. And then, yeah, so this is the part that I had trouble with. Yeah, you didn't with like because this because you're like, why didn't like they just the get him? the dumbest plan ever. Like, why would you sneak into the back with a bunch of white people who obviously are Shouldn't not Mohawk? Right, like, wouldn't you just send in one dude who everyone knows? It's like, oh, hey, Chad, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just going to the idiot hut. Okay, cool. And then he just, like, opens the back door and Roger walks out the end. But instead, they take... Six well, foot three would... red-haired white man in to, he's in the lead, by the way. He's never been in this camp in his life. Why is he leading? Like, it's... Well, because Roger is going to need help. He's in bad no, state. Well, like, but... he had gangrene in the book. The, but and they're, he... they're, wood, they're woodsmen. They can lift him up. He's Roger's a buck 45. Like, they can... <laughs> the, the, the lady could throw him over her shoulder with no issues whatsoever. She's tough. <laughs> she is tough. Like, and she whoops some ass. Like, she could lift Roger with one hand. Like, they don't need Jamie, Claire, and young Ian. Well, like, they go into the hut, and you can see the relief on Roger's face seeing Claire, which was the whole point, right? Because right. he knows her. And then he looks at He's... Jamie and says, it's you. And Jamie's like, yeah, it's me. And all I can offer you right now is an apology yeah. so sorry there it is and but, let's get the fuck out of here <laughs> there it is and let's get the fuck out that's right and roger says how many did you bring to re- you're looking at it <laughs> and jamie's like uh my little guy nephew ian yeah, he's a, out there and he's a buck 20 and then yeah. did you see claire because she's here too we have a dog and then me <laughs> yeah, right. and all and these then, nice mohawk people who are about to kill all their friends for no reason and then they start running out and yeah. they're getting attacked yeah. and Claire is like come on Roger and I'm like Claire he can't he's very hurt he's very hurt Claire has some sort of knife and she's yeah she's like all of a sudden a swordsman she's like a 48 year old ninja now well all of a sudden. I mean here's the thing Claire and Roger Claire loves Roger not right. only is he her daughter's true love yeah. but also they they been they bonded over the last however yeah, many years I guess, yeah. roger found jamie for her right that's big so roger is useless i mean he is but he's in a lot of pain he can't walk his arm is messed up like he is you know we'll get in we'll get into it but there, there's not a lot he can do he's he is in a bad state roger is going to die in that idiot hut if they don't save him right he's that's why he's praying that's right. all he's got at this point 
and they have no use for him at all. No. And Nor after do I, seeing for the record. <laughs> so they all they all get they get caught. They're put in a row. Yeah. They ban the Mohawk lady who helps them get to Roger. Right. I like when though when they catch him, Claire's just like, "It's over! It's over! Like we, we got you beat us. Yeah, We're done. Does. Don't kill us." Yeah, yeah. She's like, "It's over. It's o- you're right. That's exactly yeah. what she says." And they say that they are keeping Dogface. Yeah, and they say it in English. Nope, we are keeping Dogface. Right. There's no trade. There's and no they, fair trade. Yeah, and they pick Roger and Roger's face. He looks so defeated. Yeah, he's just sad. He doesn't dog even seem. Dogface is sad. He doesn't even seem. Right. He's got no fight in him. No, he's, he's just like you've got to be fucking kidding I mean, me. He right didn't now. have much fight to begin with, if we're being honest. And he's now he has none. And then you said Jamie's going to offer himself, mm-hmm. and he tells Ian to explain. Right, and then Ian pulls a switcheroodle. But that surprised you, right? It you did. I didn't, didn't see predict that, that. No. And uh, they say we accept. And then uh, Jamie says, "Okay, well, I mean, you need to escape as soon as you can." Right. And Ian says, like, I'm, "I mean I'm sticking it. Around. I'm staying. I gave them my word." Well, and this is one of those things where I actually uh, went on today, and there was some discussion on the old Loinlander Facebook page, mm-hmm. and uh, someone wrote that uh, this is. Something that would have made more sense to me, for sure, Mm -hmm. if they would have given a little more time to show that apparently in the book, Ian spent a lot of time with uh, probably the Cherokee, because that was who was Mm -hmm. in their area, but... But obviously the Mohawk, too, because he spoke pretty fluent Mohawk. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, hanging out with them, basically. Yeah. Hunting with them and learning their ways and really had a, a large respect for them. So if I had known that before, it wouldn't have come... I mean, obviously, he'd spent some time with them because you don't just learn their language. Like, yeah. they didn't have hooked on phonics, you know, colonial edition. So well, uh, that's and- such a dated reference. I don't know what, <laughs> what it would be now. But, uh, but they did make reference to it at one point, I think, in the episode of Wilmington, when you're like, where's young Ian? And he's like, oh, he's off with John Quincy Myers making right. trades with it. So there is constant reference bit, yeah. to his connection and, rela- and developing relationship. But Ian's not, like, he almost wants it. Like, he's he seems almost a little bit excited about it. And you see that I mean, more. he was heart broken saying goodbye well, to jamie and claire of course he's sad but and uh how incredible was sam hewan in this scene he saying, was great. saying goodbye to i almost feel like i'm getting choked up there talking about it saying goodbye to young ian and so was the the actor that plays young ian he was great in this episode or this scene as well yeah so claire goes up and she's saying goodbye to ian and she's crying and jamie is like trying to keep it together their family is being torn in half basically mm-hmm. and a reviewer Yeah, a reviewer that I read in Vulture Magazine pointed out that Roger, at no point, he didn't even volunteer to stay. He just watches him, watches them make this choice. And this reviewer described him as, quote, the worst. He's quote. Yeah, he's... And I'm like, guys, like, did that cross your mind? Yeah, absolutely. Roger has never been anything in this show but a selfish douche. And this is just another standard selfish douche maneuver. Like, Roger's just like, yeah, for sure. Trade Fuck that everybody little blonde guy. Yeah, yeah. He needs to get out. And I know, but that's what to I go mean. With, he needs to stay with Claire. Claire is the only person no, in this time that he actually knows. Roger, despite what he his actions of last episode is, he's Roger's all about Roger. Well, it didn't cross my mind. I just felt, I mean, he looked like he felt uncomfortable, but what's he supposed to do? Like, he's not supposed to be like, no, no, I'll stay. They don't want him. They're probably right. going to kill Dogface. Right. Dogface is useless, and that was the whole trade. Like, hey, I'm 
I mean, not you, useless. Yeah, you assume that Young Ian was like, I can speak Anyone your language. I am able-bodied. <laughs> and they kept Rolo. As they should. Do you want Rolo to be separated from Young Ian? They're besties. No, but that was the best part. It's not like he's, he gets to keep Rolo. He gets to keep Rolo. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um. Then after that amazing scene, we have Murdy and Aunt Jocasta drinking whiskey together by the right. fire. Yeah. And Murta says, "It tastes like home." And then he encourages her to fight back with the regular and she's like right. excuse me and he's like you could use your influence and then they get into a fight and because she is really offended she's right. like oh my goodness you're that's why you're here yeah. you're here to use me and she's hurt right yeah. so at, upon the second viewing i realized that's why he knew when she throws the whiskey in his face he's like wait a second like this is more than just dislike of my politics. Right, because she starts really going at him. Like, you've he, always been a... Yeah, and he's like... Dark and dark Yeah, he's like, I've really hurt her feelings. Right. Because she loves me. That's right. Now, and then we cut to the next scene, which is her looking out the window in her nightgown. And then it pulls out to see... And there he is. The silver fox himself. Hair oh, down. Yeah. Hair down. Looking good. Chest looking just all great. glistening. He's like, who needs the well, crush? I am king yeah. men. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I wonder why they skipped the actual moment when they first kissed. Like, why not? I don't know. I mean, I I am all for seeing more of Myrta and Jocasta getting really? it on. There you go for sure. For well, sure. that's awesome. And I think we can then this confirms. In my mind, anyway, that if, if it hasn't been confirmed in the minds of people already, yeah. that Murtaugh is, in fact, taking the role of this Duncan Hines character. I mean, in 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 this capacity, it seems. And I think that they are saying he's not because Murtaugh has his whole other storyline that right. had nothing to do with Duncan Hines, right? Like, he's the head of the regulators and he's... You know, they're all looking for him like that. He does have his own storyline, but he's taken this portion of Duncan Ines story. Yeah. And really... But I don't think we're ever going to see a Duncan Ines. I feel like we don't need to. No, that's... that's Murtaugh's probably stronger. Absolutely. Um, Jocasta definitely thinks so. She definitely thinks so. And you said that you were happy that they picked an age-appropriate love interest for him. I was. I thought that was great. Because, yeah. you know, you see this a lot of times where you'll have the... Like, it'll be, I mean, it's everywhere, in movies everywhere. You'll have, like, a 65-year-old man or a 55-year-old man or something, and his love interest is, like, 24, you know, and a wafy 24-year-old. And Jocasta's, like, age-appropriate and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, like, it's, uh, which is fine, but, like, it's a good thing. I just, I don't know, I, I think it. I thought it was good. I think it was kind of. I loved it. I thought it was beautiful, and I'm so so happy about it. Not everyone was right. I thought it was wonderful. And it's like also they didn't. It's they didn't. uh, They obviously didn't show it, but they like. How often do you see them like implying that like a couple? I mean, how old's Murtaugh supposed to be? Like late fifties. I was actually trying to figure this out because he is. He's the same age as. Jamie's mother. So he's got to be like in his So he has 60. to be at least 20 years older than Jamie. Who's, who's supposed to be 40? 42. So he's like early 60s. So how, how often do you see, I mean, maybe more now with, you know, shows like Grace and Frankie and stuff like that on Netflix, which I've never seen. But, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, you know, shows that depict older people having active sex lives. Good for you. Good, Good for, for you. you. <laughs> 
Then we unfortunately are taken away from the bedroom of Jocasta and Murta and we're taken back to the camp uh, that Jamie and Roger and Claire right. are all now in together, the yep. three of them. Sans young Ian. Without young Ian. Gone forever. Yeah. And this scene was probably... Mm, it was one of the best scenes of this entire season. Really? It really was. Okay. Those three actors, because if you think about it, all they were doing was recapping information that we as viewers already knew. But these three actors, they each were coming at it from a different point, right? Like mm-hmm. Jamie, Anger, Claire, trying to kind of be the mediator, but also make sure that Roger provides is provided with all the information and Roger taking it all in. Right. But the three of them, I mean... I, I, it was they are they were amazing. Yeah, it's it's interesting dynamic because Jamie dis dislikes Roger yeah. for sure, absolutely, and, and it's which I didn't really feel that he like it made sense once he explained it why he would, but it hadn't really been uh, conveyed that Jamie really doesn't like Roger, uh, yeah. which which he doesn't. So it's and it makes I'm sure he likes him even less after he had to trade young Ian for. Well, and him. he says that out loud. Yeah. I traded a lad that I loved for you. Yeah. And as far as I can see, you're a coward. You're the reason my daughter got raped because you left her because you were angry. Yeah. He says all of the things that some of us viewers have also been mm-hmm. sort of feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, Claire provides Roger with all the information. Well, first of all, we should talk about the fact that Roger takes a bunch of punches at Jamie because people yeah. didn't like this. Just like, and like sucker punched him and which I guess Jamie sucker punched him first. But yeah, Roger starts just laying into Jamie and Claire's like, no. And Jamie's like, no, I deserve it. And it's like, it's so obvious that like he's basically. Allowing him to Right, it's the equivalent of like Rolo licking his foot. Yeah. You know, like he's just like, yeah, get it, get it out, Ponce. Although when Roger continues, they all start talking and then Roger continues and Jamie says, quote, that's the last unanswered blow. Right. And he sticks his finger in his face and yeah. he seems very yeah. Jamie-like when he right. does it. Yeah. And Roger like, does stop hitting him. Yeah, of course he does. <laughs> He's like, yes, I've been letting you hit me. It doesn't hurt. If you want to know what hurt feels like, do it one more time. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then at the same time, they're showing young Ian being thrown into the gauntlet. Yeah. And you, do you remember what you said? No. You said, he's going to do really well. Yeah. And I said, what makes you think that? And you're like, it's always the skinny little guys that... Skinny little guys are so tough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're wiry and they never give up. And um, I loved this. I loved this. Watching him, he was like jumping over and crawling yeah. under. And then at the very end, he picks up... Do you remember what he does? He picks yeah, up a bunch of sand. he throws dirt in the guy's face. Yeah, and then he, he tackles him. And runs he over to the Tom Jackson. jumps over the other guy. Yeah. And, yeah, but I mean, in... Roger's defense for getting ass whooped in the gauntlet. He had no idea what was coming, whereas Ian knew immediately what was happening. He knew what was happening. He knew what he had to do. The other thing is, uh, he hadn't just been pulled across a horse, pulled behind a horse for like for two, two months. months. Yeah, and he, he, like Roger was in bad shape right. already. Not so. that I don't think you would have made it anyway, but he was. Yeah, Ian is. is it helps if you know because remember stock. Roger was like, "What's going on?" Right beforehand, like he didn't know, yeah. he didn't understand. So, but I love that young Ian did survive, and they said Tom Jackson says you will live as one of us, yeah. and then they all start 
yipping and Yip, yep. yeah, and doing doing calls and stuff like that and then Ian, Ian looks so happy so happy so happy and excited that actor plays happy like nobody's business he does and I'm really gonna miss him yeah because that is the last we'll see of him for quite a while oh, I know bad. yeah it really is a shame I look forward to his grand return yeah so this is why it's such a good episode because I love that scene with young Ian in the gauntlet but then we're right back to Jamie, Claire, and Roger and dealing with all the emotional turmoil turmoil there. Right. So, um, but I also really liked how when Claire provides Roger with all the information and tells him like, you need to make a choice because she can't go back. And I did, I hope some people felt sympathy for Roger when he like shows Claire the stones. He's like, look, I have these stones. Like I want to, we're going to go back. We're going to be safe. It's okay. And I did like his reaction when they told him it was Stephen Bonnet. Yeah. Like he, he seemed like that was like the ultimate, like the final emotional kick in the face for him. Yeah. And he takes it like a punch. Yeah. Richard Rankin, guys. Yeah, like he plays a horrible, unlikable character, but he does it really well. No, but he he's he's playing everything flawlessly. But yet you hate him. I don't hate him. I don't hate Roger at all. I wish that they had given me a little bit more of his backstory and his side of things. And I wish that he hadn't left. I wish that... Brianna had stormed away but that's something that I can't control what the writers do in my heart my Roger slash my Richard Rankin would never have done that yeah but unfortunately this Roger and this Richard Rankin did yeah but anyways very unlikable character I really really enjoyed when um you know Claire explains the whole situation to Roger and Literally two seconds later, Jamie's like, so you need to make a choice and tell us what it is. And even Claire is frustrated with Jamie's. She's like, Jesus, Jamie, like give him a second to think about it. Right. And he does. He's like, okay, I'm going to take it again. Super selfish. Like just. Is that selfish? Uh, yeah. He's being provided with all of this information. He's learned that she's been raped and attacked. He's learned that it's probably his fault. He's learned that she's having another person's baby who he knows like that's isn't that and oh and by the way he's learned that he can if he wants to be with her she can't go back in time because of said baby right so he can go back to his own time but she can't because the baby can't but if i'm jamie and i just traveled for like you mean roger no jamie okay if i'm jamie and i just traveled for like seven months no sick it was two months it took two months for them to get to him it was two months there, two months back. Okay, well, whatever. Mm-hmm. A lot of months. Mm-hmm. If I've traveled a lot of months to get there for my daughter, and you give up, I give up my beloved nephew to get your bitch ass back, and you're like, oh, I don't think I want to do it. It's like, fuck, I would, I would throw you off a cliff. But he didn't like, say he didn't want to do it. He said, I just like, need to think no, about how this. How about like, thank you, yes, sir, let's go now. That's what I would be looking for. But that's not... You you want him to actually feel it in his heart, not just abide well, he by it. your. He should feel it in his heart. That's what I'm saying. If he really loved Brianna, which I don't think he does, then he would have just been like immediately. Where's Brianna? We got to get back to her. Deal with it when we get there. Okay. Like, if he's just gonna like at the, like this is classic shithead Roger. At the first sign of any adversity that isn't pro Roger, he's like, oh okay, drop drop her. Should we drop her? In fact, I'm going to coin a new term other than J-Frey. Uh, it's because he's useless and he's a douche, so I'm going to call him doucheless. That's his <gasps> new name. 
in my opinion. Roger's new name is Doucheless. Oh my goodness. I mean, okay. So this is that is... better or worse than Dogface? Let us know. <laughs> at loinlander at gmail.com. <laughs> I don't think he's useless at all. And I am. No, you don't. I am Team Roger. And I. I do feel a little bit of concern about the way he's been written, and you and I have discussed this because I told you that when you're reading it, it's third person from Roger, and your argument was, in season four, why didn't they give us a voiceover of Roger the same way they did with Claire in season one? And I feel like that would have helped yeah. a lot. This is something I was going to bring up at the end as like you know what I feel they could have done to make this season stronger, and I really think that they should have taken this season and... Uh, like as far as the the story mechanics, they should have done it like they did in season one with Claire. Yeah, where you get where most of Katrina Balfe's dialogue through season one is her inner monologue. Yeah, and I think if Roger, if it would have started out episode one with Roger basically with his inner monologue, they establish it right off the beginning, and you get his inner monologue throughout the whole. Like, it's not like it would be super crazy because they've already done it in this series. Mm-hmm. They've established it. Like, we've heard Claire's inner monologue a ton. Yeah. If they would have... Get, and we don't hear it anymore. I know. It's dead. Yeah. So if they would have handed the inner monologue torch, which apparently they do in the books as well, mm-hmm. um, over to Roger... Well, except it's not first person. Claire's always written first person. Roger's written third person. Oh, okay. Well, so he eh. felt like this when he looked over uh, there. Okay, well, whatever. They can cheat. But yeah, they totally You know, could. and give it... give. Roger his own monologue so you could tell his side of the story and see it through like you should have if you seen this season through Roger's eyes I think yeah which you didn't yeah it no, was if didn't. anything it was through Brianna's eyes um yes yeah and uh so I think that that really betrayed the character of Roger yeah. douchless <laughs> so then we have Brianna's labor yeah oh here come the compliments okay so this is hands down the most amazing labor scene Ever. And better than Lady Sybil? Oh God, yes. And Sophie Skelton knocked it out of the park with her acting. She labored the shit out of this. I mean, as some I know she doesn't have kids because she's twelve years old, but like she or twenty-two, I don't know, right. she's very young. But she I don't know if maybe her audition tape just consisted of her pretending to be in labor and they <laughs> were like, that's you're it. Hired. You're the one. You're Brianna. Can you act any other way? Nope. That's fine. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I was watching her, I started crying. I loved the labor scene. I loved the fact that she was, you know, I mean, she. you even said, you're like, yep, that's what it looks like. Yeah, no, no. She was hard laboring it. No, she did a bang up job. Yeah. I mean, I was crying for so many reasons. One is I'm sensitive to any labor scene in general. <laughs> True story. Um, but also I was crying because I was so happy that Sophie Skelton was doing such a beautiful job. And then, of course, the music. The music in this episode was amazing. Yeah, you love the music. I really did. Now, a lot of people mm, what were a lot of people disappointed say? in this scene because shock. it strays very far from the book. Why? What happened in the book? In the book, Jamie and Claire arrive. Uh-huh. And the two of them deliver Brianna's baby. That seems... And, well, because Claire's a doctor. So Jamie's just, like, up there and she's telling Jamie, like, what to say and what to do and how to mm-hmm. help Brianna. It's not, like, weird. And it's a bonding moment for Jamie and Brianna. That a lot of people, and it felt that they needed to see in the show the way they felt. Because it changes things, right? Like, right. he yeah, is there for different. her because Roger, same thing in the book. He needs time to think. Right. But Jamie and Claire come back. Claire delivers the baby, but Jamie's there for her. Right. And people loved that. But 
I really like the way they changed it and had it portrayed on screen because when I saw it, she, you know, Phaedra was there. I loved Phaedra in this episode. That that oh, to to go yes. back that that yeah. scene. I that actress is awesome. She's so good. I really like like yeah. the scene where she's feeling the yeah. baby and she's, stuff like that. It's gonna and be great. Like Phaedra is like fucking colonial MacGy- MacGyver. Yeah, like she, she can sew a dress. I can deliver a baby. Yeah. she's rock and roll. Yeah. So she's surrounded by Phaedra and by Anchocasta and Lizzie. And then right in the next room, right behind the door, is Murta. And I love the fact that she is surrounded by people who love her. Mm-hmm. Even though she's not with Claire, who right. was the only person she knew back in time. She's right. not with Roger, her right. husband. And she's not with Jamie, her right. new dad or real dad. But she's still in that scene. This is why I thought this scene was so beautiful. She's, I feel like I'm choking up again. She's still surrounded by people who love her. And people who are obligated to be with her through slavery. Well, Phaedra, I feel, has a connection to Brianna. <laughs> They'd be friends regardless? Is that what you're well, saying? Don't don't make it Sorry, don't make don't it be... dark and sad okay. and historically accurate, probably. But I did really love what did you think of the scene? I thought it was I mean, as labor scenes go, it was solid. It was beautiful. It was And I feel beautiful. like it was um I like that she was like doing the standing labor, like yeah. it, like it was, it was. They they could have just put her in a bed and 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 made it sort of like the cliche mm-hmm. feed up thing. No, uh, no, I like that they that they were they tried to be, I guess historically accurate. With yeah, it. you know, you know, like I mean, I, I haven't, I didn't give birth in colonial times, but no. I feel okay. like they only would have done it if it was historically accurate. So yeah, and then the next morning, Aunt Jocasta, I love her. She comes in, she's like, oh, he's a beautiful beautiful strong lad and will choose his birthday wisely but i assure you he will be born in wedlock yeah it's like that's it's not that's all, all she cares about it's not all she cares about no but, but she's, she's like, a savvy lady she's all about the political machinations of it for yeah sure. and i turned to you and i said i wonder how often that happened where people's birthdays were just a totally lot. fabricated a lot take that ancestry.com <laughs> yeah um so jamie and claire arrive yeah finally Finally. Yeah. And you were very surprised that Roger wasn't with them. Oh, I hated I like I actually felt anger towards Doucheless at this point. <laughs> like I was like, I can't believe you bitched out, you useless dickhead. He's only a day behind them. He just takes That's a day. Too long. He just takes a day to consider Okay, he needs to figure out if he wants to stay in this time, which has not been good to him. <laughs> And I like what happened. Like, did they ride a little ways and then they separated? Because where did he get a horse all of a sudden and catch them? Like, if it was Jamie and Claire by themselves, they would have left. I think he probably has young Ian's horse. Useless Roger would have been left in the dust. I did wonder about the horse, too. Like, I think they probably took him to the Standing Stones. They went as far as that, and he's like, I need some time. And they're like, Great, here's the address to River Run. See ya. We're going back. Yeah. So, but again. When Sophie Skelton runs out and she's holding the baby and she sees Jamie and Claire, just the two of them, and oh, her face, like, just, she searches. You can see. Yeah. She's, like, looking behind she's the horse. punched right in the feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Nice job, Sophie Skelton. No, she looked very emotionally distraught. And I just, oh, I couldn't have hated Roger more. But, and Jamie and Claire walk up and Jamie says, he's alive. Like, I didn't. even worse. I didn't kill him. Yeah. He's alive. And then Claire says, and we told him everything. Right. So we told him all, we told him everything and he still decided to drop you like a hot potato, which is the exact look that Brianna had on her face. So, 
As much as I love this episode, and I do love Tony Graffia, I will say mm. that she has now said twice that she thought about ending the episode here with Brianna saying, where's Roger? Fade to black. Oh. For a season finale? That's a dumper of a cliffhanger. Wouldn't that have been just awful? I don't want to focus on There's that. There's like a super was... cliche dumper of a cliffhanger at the end, but, but that would have been even dumber. Yeah. So I, I don't want to focus on that because as it turned out, they did not do it. And right. I'm really happy. Yeah. Um, I would have been double pissed. But you were immediately like, you were very surprised that she didn't name the baby Franklin, which I thought was so Obvs. sweet. That seems obvious. Why would she name the baby Frank? Well, she's not going to name the baby till Roger comes. Cause well, she Roger's wants... not coming. Well, you wow. know he is. Okay. Um, another thing I wanted to mention is that other people have complained, book fans, that Jamie never held this baby. And that yeah. was like a really big moment, right? Because this is Jay Frey who has never been able to actually hold one of his children yeah. and know he's going to see them grow up. So this right. is a big deal. And it is a really sweet sort of bond in the book because he loves that baby, whether it's Stephen Bonnet's or Rogers or whoever's, right. right? Like he loves that baby and he's going to be able to see that baby grow, grow up, up. Yeah. and be the actual grandparent to it. But I saw an interview with Katrina Bolf and Sam Hewen months ago when they were filming season four and she was making fun of him and said why don't you tell everyone what happened in the scene today and he's like there was a baby on set and it wouldn't let me go near it and katrina Balf was allowed to hold the baby but anytime he tried they the baby would freak out so maybe that was this baby and they were like oh my god we don't have time we don't have time should have like knit him a sweater or something what do you mean because he's the king of knitting oh Thank you. Um, I mean, they could have used a fake baby. Like, go to Toys R Us. They sell them. They're That's like true. 20 bucks. Just don't show its face. or like. But when we watch this part, just to focus a little bit more, when right. they were all having dinner and Brianna's not there and they're all sad, it's Murdy and, mm, and Jocasta and Jamie and Claire with a space in between because mm-hmm. they'd set the table for her hoping she would come down. And she did. But you said, because I told you, I'm like, I know a lot of people don't like Roger after this episode. And you said, I hate him more than Stephen Bonnet. I did hate him more than Stephen Bonnet at that point. Like, Stephen Bonnet is a horrible, horrible, horrible person. But I think he at least has the excuse that he's like a sociopath or a psychopath. He's got this, like, weird sociopathic code of honor, which doesn't make anything he does good. It doesn't absolve him. But at least he has, like... It's weird. It's it's almost like he has morals. They're just horrible. Whereas I feel like Roger's just a selfish asshole. Well, he's not, though, because we'll get to that. He's still a selfish asshole. But I love when she comes downstairs and joins them, and they're all so happy. And Jay Frey hands her the bread. Mm-hmm. And he the music, bread. the music that I always love when I they know. have montages of Fra- it's the Fraser's Ridge it's music. The, Fra- it the plays Little House in on the, the Prairie yeah. music, yeah. Where are those goats? They're hungry. Nobody's fed those goats in a long time. Know, are they okay? Who's feeding the goats? I don't know. It ain't Lizzie. It ain't uh, Murtaugh. Young Ian's off in the fucking Mohawk village. Who's feeding them? John Quincy Myers? Maybe. Like, maybe. I hope so. Um, so the next morning, Brianna's packing because they're all getting ready to leave. Because Claire, we've skipped a scene where Claire and Brianna have a wonderful moment where Claire says, I want you to come back to Fraser's Ridge and be surrounded by people who love you. Right. Because Claire has a has a plan right like even though she always has a plan obviously this didn't work out Sometimes amazingly it's a bad plan, but yeah but and you can't ever go back to your own time you'll be with me you'll mm-hmm. be with jamie you'll be with murdy and you'll be loved right. and so will this baby i feel like eventually she could go back 
because I mean maybe the the fear is that a baby wouldn't survive the the travel, but you know once that kid got to be about I don't know ten. Well, the baby. I mean, you don't know if they can time travel or not, because not everyone can. Anyone relate? It's the, anyone in the in the uh, the relation? No, that's not the case. I think it is. Well, okay. So number one, they don't know if the baby will be able to time travel, and I don't want to spoil anything for you. Baby can't. You just did. <laughs> that's <laughs> not true. But they don't know if the baby can time travel. So let's say the baby is ten. Even if the baby can time travel. You can't just, like, hold hands and jump together and go to the same place. I mean, place. if a baby could time travel, you wouldn't be making this big argument. You'd just be like, well, we'll see what happens. That's okay. what you do. Well, we will see what happens. Okay. Does the baby time travel? I mean... Don't spoil it. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Oh, yeah, there you go. Okay. So, she's packing up. They're going to go back to Fraser's Ridge. And then she looks out the window and she sees someone on a horse. And the music... It's like, how does is... she know it's Roger? Does she, she just, just smell him? Because he would just... And stink no. at this shh, point. Shh, shh, so romantic. It's so no, it's shh, shh. It's so romantic. The music starts and it's very, very like anticipatory. And then she starts running down the stairs. And again, Sophie Skelton. This is probably my all-time favorite Sophie Skelton scene, tied with the labor scene, because she is an amazing runner. Yeah, you actually rewound it to show I me have, how well she runs. I'm like, look at how I believe her when she runs. She is running her heart out in that scene. And she's a great runner, mm-hmm. and she's just running towards him as fast as she can. And then he sees her, and he gets off the horse, and they collide, and they love each other. And the music, the theme, the love theme for Roger and Brianna is my favorite score. I love the Frank and Claire. I don't love the, the Jamie and Claire mm-hmm. score, but uh-huh. it doesn't mean that I don't love them. I just don't like the musical right, score. Right, right. But the um, Roger and Brianna one, I don't know if anyone else has noticed it, but it is beautiful. And it's playing. Roger has different pants, right? Which we didn't talk about in the last episode, but his pants were replaced. And you said, yeah, as soon as the Mohawks saw his stupid pants, they were like, get that shit off. <laughs> it's like even our slaves don't wear that stupid shit. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the Redcoats, you hear who's... Yeah, clippity-clop, yeah. And the Redcoats come, and everyone's worried about Murta. Yeah. Murta and Aunt Jocasta have a moment where they put their heads together, and he calls her Joe. Can we just, sorry, just rewind before the Redcoats come. There's a line with uh, Roger where yeah. Bran is like, oh, I didn't think you'd come because you're an asshole. And Roger's like, I uh, said something like, uh, what is it? I'll I may, tell you what he said. I may, what is it? Because it's very romantic. I may be stubborn... But I'm not a fool. I will. I love you, and I will always love See, you. See, but there was a pause between "I love you" and "There's." Uh, I, I'm. I may be stubborn, but I'm not a fool. And I just again, I feel like the way that he said that, Richard Rankin delivered it, came across as this like, almost like arrogant, condescending. No, beautiful. I and then he I says, didn't find it beautiful at then all." Then he says, "The Baron," and she says, "It's a boy." And he says, "Take me to see my son." And how do you not love Roger after that? Now, I will say, I have a, I got a text message from a friend of mine after this episode, and she only watches the series, and she says, Roger is irredeemable. I'm done with him. Yeah, I agree. But... He's trying to go full Frank, and... Uh, and he, I think... And, and he will. And he will. Well, I mean, the books probably say he will, but I think... I think text friend is right. Like, I think he is irredeemable at this point. We've seen him be a asshole so many times. I don't believe him. I think he's just there okay. for some well, self-serving you know purpose. Fine. He's a main character, and he will win win your love. He will win your love over. Okay. Richard Rankin can do it. I know he can. Well, we'll find out. Um, 
And then, of course, they're not there to find Murta. They're there to find Jay Frey. Right. And they said, we're here to find Jamie Fraser. And you're like, wow, perfect timing. Because if you'd come here any time over the last year, we would not have been here. Yeah, exactly. Just another, <laughs> just the old good old Outlander coincidence machine in well, full force. but you know what? Governor Tryon probably knows. Because... And that they were Lord, there like two days ago? Well, what, Lord John Gray would know. Again, did it, would he text him? Like, how would he know? Well, Lord John Gray would know that Jamie and Claire were off, but that the first place they would go is River Run. Guess, so they're guess, not at, they're not at Fraser's Ridge. Sure. Try them at River Run. Okay. Did seem like a lot, a lot of redcoats just to deliver a letter. One letter. Yeah. Like, and it was like a scroll. Like, yeah. didn't, I know they have notes. Claire or Brianna had one. Like, why is he handing him like. The Dead Sea Scrolls, and there's like nine guys it's delivering Because official it. government documentation, Joe. But it's still, serious. No one wants to steal that. Jamie is in trouble. We'll find out what's well, no, going to happen. No, Jamie's not in trouble. Jamie's actually been entrusted with a very, very, very big uh, task. But he's on the wrong side of history. Again. Yeah, but... He's on the losing side again. But they don't know that at the time. Like Jamie does. Well, of course Jamie knows that. But I'm saying that that it like it's actually a, a big thing. Like they're giving Jamie a big responsibility from the, the you know the British bad guy point of view. Yeah. But yeah. So they but basically they want they they tell him he's got to go kill Murdy. Murdy. Yeah. Didn't happen in the books because Murdy's already dead. That's right. And then it's like I like that he has like his King of Men glasses on. He's like Murtoff Fitzgibbons and he takes them off and then it does a slow push to his face and cut to black. Cliche shit. It wasn't in that order actually. Claire asks him what it says. He takes the glasses off to look at her. And then he says it. Cliche shit. It's not cliche shit. If you, if you need glasses to read, you have to take, you have them, to off take them off to, off to look at someone. Line. Right? Really? They're, yeah, because it, you anyway. don't know because you have 2020. I do. End of episode. End, End of season. Of season. End of Loin Lander. For yet another. No. We won't. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Loin points. You know what? This episode didn't suck. Uh, there was a couple things that disappointed me, and I hate Roger, but just because I hate Roger doesn't mean that it's a bad episode. So I'm going to give this one, I don't know, what was my highest rating of the year? 60. I'm going to give this 62. I think actually 62. You gave Do No Harm 62. And this gets 65. <gasps> really? No, you know what? I'm going to give it a 70. Mic drop. You did it. You did it, Lauren Lander. You convinced me that this show has some merit so yeah. 70 it is yay. yay um i give it a hundred of course you do because it was a wonderful wonderful episode i thought you were gonna charlie in the chocolate factory this one and go through the glass no, elevator but solid no. hundy 100 okay it was wonderful extra extra points so you are going over well i'm not going over extra points but it maybe would have been like 95 but then sophie skelton i mean the running and then the labor scene so then it gets an extra five because oh, i'm just so happy 105 now no no it's it was at 95 and so then it's 100 because of her okay hmm. because she i struggled i struggled okay. and now okay. i feel like she and i we've come to an understanding you love her now I, well i don't love her but i do love you her when love she is her. pretending to be in labor and or running. So as long as she's running and delivering a baby. Then she's my girl. Okay. Yeah. MVP. Ugh. MVP. Jamie. I'm going to give it to Jamie. Jay yeah. Frey was solid in this episode. Um, no. You know what? I'm going to change it. Oh. I'm going to go young Ian. Oh, really? He didn't have a lot of scenes, but the scenes he had were rock solid. That kid's a good actor. He is a good actor. Like his, the physical acting with the gauntlet was awesome. And his uh, his goodbye with Jamie, yeah. I thought was really emotional and great, but also he was strong. Yeah. And he said, I mean it. I'm staying. 
Yeah, and, don't come back for me. Yeah, and you believe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so does Jamie. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Yours? MVP is Sam Hewen. Right. Because he was just... He was good. He was everything in this episode. He was everything. Uh, what was your favorite scene? Uh, it was the scene where the the negotiation with uh, when when they're captured, rescuing Roger. Really? Yeah, yeah. That that scene where where Yang Yin gets taken away. And when they're like, "Dog face is staying with us." No oh trade. no! I'm sorry. You know what? My favorite scene was the the entire uh, sort of flashback montage with Ottertooth. Really? Yeah, that was awesome. That was really interesting and really good. I liked that whole story. I thought that was great. Okay. Um, so my favorite scene, do you know my favorite scene? Probably Sylvie Skeleton giving birth by the sounds of it? No! When Roger and Brianna <sighs> ran to each other and their love song was playing, their theme music was playing, tied with young Ian running the gauntlet. Yeah, so you're big running. A lot of running. Anything involving running, you're all for. That's right. Okay. Tied with Myrta and Ancho Casta the next morning. Right. Yeah. Tied with... So, like, everything. Just the whole episode everything. was your favorite scene. It was so wonderful. Okay. Um, well, that's good. Although I'm I will glad, say, You know what? I'm truly glad <gasps> because know. you've been so bummed out by so many episodes. Yes. And... Uh, this is my show. Yeah. And he. I'll also say this. Like, contrary to popular belief, what... I'm sure a lot of people think about me. I don't I don't want to hate this show. Like <laughs> I I have to watch this damn show. Like I would prefer it to be good. And it was. Well, I don't know if it, like it's comparatively speaking it was it was a lot better than a lot of episodes. It still wasn't like I would never watch it willingly. But, you know, I I would prefer that this be, you know, the the bar and not the you know, the or the standard and not the high water mark. Yeah. Um least favorite scene? Uh, Roger, the Jamie Roger fist punch arama. I just oh, thought okay. he was such an unlikable dick. I just, I mean, I guess that doesn't make my least favorite scene because it doesn't make it a yeah, bad scene. Yeah, and you scene. said that he was acting so well. Yeah, I just, I, so, I guess my least favorite scene then would be the the Roger Knight rescue because I thought the plan was right. stupid that and no, your, yeah. no one would ever have done that plan. Like, that's in in any other, like, well-written TV show, you would have had a character be like, that's a bad plan. And the other guy would have been like, yep, it is, Chad. Let's do something else. And, like, that that would have been, and then they would have come up with a different idea. Uh, and and uh, it, it doesn't happen in this show. They love a good dumb plan in this show. Okay. My least favorite scene, I think, was when they did the flashback to Ottertooth when Claire was like oh yeah he came to me oh, and I was right. I found I was in a cave and I found the skull and it's like no 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 we know this we know this tick tock tick tock precious time hand fed yeah yeah but whatevs other what? than that it was it's 105 so wonderful and now that concludes our recap of this episode and end of season four. Season. Oh my goodness what are we gonna do it's, that's a great question Loinlander fan what are we going to do? What are we going to do? If you still want to hear us jibber-jabber on, and maybe you do, what would you like us to talk about? Do you want us to continue our season one recap? Yes. Would you like yes. us to talk about something else? You tell us what, if at all, you want <laughs> us to talk about. Nothing is a fine answer, but if there is something you specifically want to hear us chit-chat about, let us know. We want to know. Okay. And I'm 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 very sad that that we have now begun Droughtlander. 
Yeah. It's tough, but I feel very happy that we ended on the episode that we ended on because it was wonderful. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad your favorite show was left on a high note. Yes. Like when I watched it the first time by myself, I just hugged my knees and smiled when it ended because I was like, well done, guys. Well, good job. Did you? Did you, Jill? I hugged my knees and thought, thank Christ, the season is over. All right. That's enough. That's enough. As is this podcast, yet another (laughs) season of Loinlander, the most unofficial Outlander podcast on the internet or anywhere. 13 episodes in the book for this season. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. I'm going to give it a 70 because you know what? The front half, of, front half of this episode is really strong. I loved, except for their stupid rescue plan, um, I loved that whole interaction with the Mohawk. I thought it was oh my great. Goodness. Oh, we forgot oh to talk about you at the end of the gauntlet. No, no, that's fine.